Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode six of the No Meat Athlete podcast. Uh, actually, this is our second episode since Doug has been joining me here. So I'm here with Doug Hay from Rock Creek Runner. Doug, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Nice weather. Weather's starting to get a little bit cooler, which has been pretty nice for the past week or so. Yeah, love in the fall. Uh, yeah, I've been staying up late with a lot of baseball playoffs, and I know you have too. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, we both are both of our teams. I'm an Orioles fan, and Doug is a uh, Nats fan. We both had some unfortunate losses last night with our teams being eliminated. But yeah. it was fun. It was good. Yeah. All right. So anyway, um, oh yeah, we need to to mention that we were at the DC Veg Fest about I guess it was about three weeks ago now, and Doug and I were there together at the No Meat Athlete table. So uh, I imagine that many of the people listening to this probably were there and saw us. So um, for those of you who did, thank you very much. It was fun. It was a good day. Uh, very hot, but sold a lot of shirts, met a lot of people, gave out a lot of no meat athlete koozies, and uh, you know it was fun. So yeah, it was, it was great to meet great to meet several of you and uh, hang out with Rich Roll for a few minutes. And yeah, it was a yeah, really was, good day. Yeah, Rich stopped by our table, which was awesome because I had never met him before. Um, but he is definitely a hero of mine. Um, so anyway, um, oh yeah, one more thing, the little advertisement section of the show is that, uh, now that the weather's getting cooler, we have some long sleeve shirts in the store. We've always had long sleeve shirts, but now we have some new ones. Um, the new stamp logo, which has been really popular, um, also known as the Carrotless shirt, uh, is now available in long sleeve. So, um, check it out. We'll put a link at the bottom and, uh, support, represent NMA over the winter. I uh, I just I told you the other day, Matt. I was going for my morning run and saw somebody in a long sleeve carrot shirt just uh, running through my neighborhood, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. And I someone just sent me a, a really cool story that uh, we put on Facebook where he was at mile twenty of his race and really struggling his his first marathon, I think. And he somehow ran into or passed um, another runner who was pretty much in the exact same situation, also struggling, um, which is not not a great. Um, you know, sign that they were both struggling and both wearing the <laughs> athlete shirts, I guess. <laughs> um, I hope that wasn't my fault in any way. But um, but they said that when they, they saw each other and met up and that kind of, you know, they started talking and then it motivated them both to get a second wind and finish the race and everything. So cool story. Always good to hear those. And somehow I've never seen someone in an Obeed athlete shirt out randomly. There are many thousands of them have been sold now, but um, – the only time I've ever seen them is at like a vegetarian um, festival type thing or at a race itself. But one of these days I'll see one. So all the no meat athletes out there in Asheville start wearing your shirts when you run around Matt's house. <laughs> right. Please do. All right. So, um, Doug, today we are going to talk about a topic that I like a lot, and that is the topic of getting started as a runner or getting restarted. Like if you've taken some time off, I know it's difficult to get back into it, so – we wanted to talk about some tips about, you know, ways ways to do that safely and and more important, well maybe not more importantly, but more commonly, um, it's a problem is is 
following through and, and getting yourself started and actually sticking with it for several weeks so that it kind of becomes a habit versus just doing it for one or two weeks and then, then quickly falling off the wagon. Yeah, so uh, one of the reasons we kind of decided to talk about that this month is uh, is because you're kind of in that place right now, right? Yeah, I am. I'm, I tend to do this all the time, and it's, it's probably my biggest downfall as a runner is that I will do really well, train really hard, be really focused for several months, and then after I do whatever it was that I was kind of training for or whatever reason, my, if my motivation goes away, then I'll I'll kind of stop and do like no running for a full month at a time often. And uh, it doesn't happen all the time, but, but it happens with some frequency. So, yeah, so you could say I'm an expert at quitting and then <laughs> starting again. Uh, but, yeah, so I just – this um the, this most recent time it happened because I trained for the Blue Ridge Relay, which was really fun. Uh, ran, our team did 208 miles among six guys, and I did about 35 of those, and it was great. It went really well. I was really, really happy with how I did, and my last leg of the relay was amazing. And it was like such a high. And then after that, I just like had no no motivation to get back out there and, and start training again. So um, that you know, we can certainly address why that kind of thing is, and um, you know what what you can do to prevent that uh, as we get into this. And Doug, you are not having any motivation problems right now, right? Because you are you're still uh, at a hundred plus days with your running streak, right? Uh, yeah, I just uh, I went out for about. Five easy miles this morning, and that was day 118 of consecutive running. So that was pretty, uh, pretty cool. Um, but you know, I mean, that doesn't mean that it's not hard to get out there every day and not hard to stay motivated and focused. But you know, one of the things that I think this run streak has done for me is uh, kind of given me uh, a little bit of focus and drive because I'm not really training for not in the middle of any race training. So it's kind of been a good way to to get out there and, uh, and stay focused and, you know, so I'm not kind of trailing off a little bit. Okay. So that, that actually will go right into really what I think is one of the most important principles here. Um, just with our, our two experiences there. So as we get into this, we have a bunch of questions that people submitted on Facebook for us and we'll definitely answer those. Um, but the, the first one, I mean, the, the very first thing I want to do is just kind of hit the, the basics here and a guy named Cody Martini, I guess that's his real name, um, good name if, if it is, um, said, make sure you talk about breaking down the mental barriers that stand in your way. And that's that's really what, what I, when I when I think of getting started, I really don't think very much about the physical stuff at all. And, and there certainly are some, especially for pure beginners, less less for if you've been running before and you've just taken a break. The, the physical stuff se- seems to be not quite the issue that the mental stuff is. So let's just talk a little bit about that kind of stuff first and for me i think and it's not for everybody but i think having some sort of goal is is really the key you know i mentioned that that after i run a race and it, and it, even if it goes well um i tend to you know then then struggle because there's nothing next after that i mean i have this big goal and that gets me out there every day and and you know i get all excited about it and running is all i can think about i want to read books about it and then as soon as that passes it's like the sense of urgency and the sense of excitement are all gone. Um, so, I mean, an easy solution for, for me would just be to be better about making sure I have another race and probably actually have it have signed up for it before the other race ends, um, which is difficult to actually do because I always, you know, I always feel like, well, I want to see how this race goes first. Um, but, but it's something that I should do and, and probably will start doing. 
but more generally, I think if you're just getting started or if you're someone who has tried several times to start running and it just never happens, um, or really any other physical, you know, trying to get in shape even, um, I think very, very often the problem is not having a strong enough goal and having something that, that really motivates you and, like, you know, more than – aside from just the what it will do for you, like what, what running a marathon will do for you, aside from thinking about what kind of shape you'll be in, being really, really excited about crossing that finish line and accomplishing that, um, you know, I think is so important. And it certainly doesn't have to be a marathon if, it's, if you're brand new at running, and it shouldn't be. Um, it could be running a mile. It could be running a 5K, you know, whatever whatever it is for you. But it to me, it does have to be something that's that's big and ambitious, uh, which is another one of my problems because I, as I've started to accomplish more of the, the things that I've wanted to, what what becomes big and ambitious gets more and more. So now for me, the <laughs> big ambitious thing is like a hundred miler, and uh, as much as I still really want to do that, it's it's tough. I mean, it's hard for me to get out there and make that happen. But so I'm a big fan of picking a, a really big goal like that, even one that seems a little bit unreasonable, and uh, and not being shy about it. Like like really telling everyone you know about what you're going to do and inviting them to come watch you and putting it on Facebook and putting it on your blog if you have one. Whereas so many people would want to do the opposite and they want to keep it a secret because they're, they're afraid of, um, of failing and they're afraid of being embarrassed if they fail. So, I, I mean, and, and Doug, as, as you've seen, this the running streak itself, even though that's different, it's not like a race. It's a very different way of training than, than training for a race. But that in itself is a kind of goal. Like if you don't have just having that there has has made you get out there and run for 118 days. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think uh, with anything, whether it's running or weight loss or you know, eat dietary habits, you know, you have to have some sort of motivation to to keep you going because it's not always going to be easy and it's not always going to be fun. And and um, that big goal, and for me, it was this run streak. And you know, I'm, I'm hopefully going to go for you know over 400 days is kind of my goal. Um, wow. And uh, and you know that's a long time, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and when I first started doing it, you know, it's like just seemed so crazy to to go that far, and it, it felt really ambitious, and you know, it felt like a much bigger goal than than it actually is. But you know, on a daily basis, it's just you know running a few miles every day, and you know, just kind of getting out there for twenty, thirty, forty minutes, um, and it you know it, it's not nearly as big of a goal. And I think that training. Uh, whether it's a four or five k or a hundred mile race is, is kind of the same thing. You know, there's some some big steps you have to take. Some you know, running your first mile if you've never run a mile before, or running that thirty mile training run if you're training for a hundred. Um, you know, those are huge things. But that big goal, you know, is is kind of motivating you to kind of go get out there daily, and and it's uh, it's going to keep you going. Yeah, and and a lot of people I've started to read on different sites, um, especially Zen Habits, because Leo's a big you know, I'm a big fan of his, and uh, that's where I learn a lot about this habit type stuff. He's he's a fan of having no goals, or at least he's experimenting with it now. And I know that's kind of a popular approach. Uh, even some people in the No Meat Athlete audience, I know, have mentioned how much fun it is to run without any real purpose, just except for the sake of going out there and running itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I can see where they're coming from. I just, in my own experience, that has never ever been enough when i try to do that i i fizzle out very quickly um so at least for me at this stage that's that's not doesn't work it's not enough um, and i tend to think that for someone who's brand new at this that it's also probably not enough that that you probably do need something that will keep you getting out there especially if in the past you've you've kind of 
because when you didn't have a goal, you noticed that you that you didn't um, follow through very well. You know, I, I would say I would say it's worth having a goal um, at, at first, unless for some reason you're very opposed to that. Um, in which case, I'm not going to be too much help to you. <laughs> I, just don't, I, I would have trouble relating, I guess. Uh, I mean, I think you're right. You know, new runners, most likely um, it, it didn't just dawn on them to, to start running. They, they have thought about it before and for whatever reason didn't go out there and, and, and start running. Um, so, you know, to have that goal, and even if it's a 5K, which is a great goal for a beginner runner, or just improving on their old 5K, you know, you don't have to go from 5K to, to 10K. You know, you can just improve on your 5K time and get out there and try to run a few more. Um, Sure. You know, having that goal is 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 really a a good motivator, and it will keep you going. And like you said, announcing it to your friends and your family, and on the web or on Facebook, um, you know, is a good way to kind of hold yourself accountable. Yeah, definitely. It, it and it, people tend not to do it. I just got an email from someone who was was telling me about this goal, and she basically was telling me because she said because I didn't really because I didn't know her personally and didn't have a vested interest in her life. She was telling me, um, you know, so that I was sort of a safe person to tell about her marathon. And, you know, I wrote back and said, this is really kind of the opposite of uh, what I would do. So I told, she said I could write a post about that and mention her. So I'm, I'm probably going to do that pretty soon. Um, anyway, so the, the flip side of all this, though, is that we're talking about picking an ambitious goal and something that really inspires you. Um, and, and, you know, it, I really think it should be like pick something that is. Once you think of it, like you just can't stop. Like you think about it all day at work because all you want to do is get out there and get a little bit closer to this goal. Um, the flip side of that is that the actual day to day and the way to get started on this huge, ambitious, inspiring goal is not to try to go out there and knock out a big chunk of it right away, um, which also is my tendency and I'm sure many other people's. And that's just, you know, to, to go out there and, and your first day as a runner, say you're going to just start. You've never run before, and today you're going to run a mile to start, which to, to a long-time runner doesn't seem like much. It seems like an easy run. But if you've never done any running before, trying to start with a mile is pretty crazy. I mean, it's going to be a miserable 10 or 15 minutes that it takes you to do it, and you're going to hate it. And then to, to get up and do that the next day or two days later is going to be such a chore. And if you do manage to do it, then you know even if you do keep it up for a few days – as soon as something comes up, like it's raining out or you're late and you're whatever, you woke up late, as soon as the smallest thing comes up that can prevent you from doing it, it will. Because because in your mind, it's already a really hard task. Because as soon as there's another little reason not to do it, um, you won't do it. So the key is start really, really small. And this applies more to people who have never done it before than to people who have. Uh, but I, you know, if you've never run before, I would say your goal um, – should be to go out and run for, I don't know, three minutes maybe? Or if, if that seems like too much, like if you're very overweight or just way out of shape and, and that seems like a tough thing to do, run for like one minute or 30 seconds and then and then walk for a little bit and then try to run again if you want. But like that's it. Make getting out the door, getting your shoes on, and just getting started a little tiny bit. Make that like a win for the day. And even for the first week, like if, if that's all you do or the first two weeks, that's totally fine. If you can – Record and another thing, you should you should be recording like when you do something, write it down, celebrate it in some way, even if it's just a tiny thing, making an X on your little calendar or what, wherever you're recording that you did the run. I mean, it feels good to put that X there. So just don't make it so hard to put that X. Make you know, make a minute or two minutes at first count as as running for you. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's exactly right. And and especially for new beginners uh, or you know people who are who are out of shape and just kind of starting back. You know, I I, I like that idea of um, not going out for distance, but going out for you know three five minutes. And if you have to walk in there, you know, if you only run for thirty seconds and then walk for the next minute and then run for another thirty seconds, you know, that's totally okay. But getting out there and moving, you know, and adding a little bit of running, and you keep kind of adding that running until you until you run that full five minutes. Um, I think is is a great way to start, and uh, and you know, and you can kind of record that and and see your improvements and see how much you're you're running versus walking, and that's a great way to celebrate, you know, moving yeah, forward. Yeah, and, and that's the key is seeing seeing this little bit of like having a place that you can see improvement, and I'm talking about the X's on the calendar because when you the reason we want to try to break off a lot more than that and go out for a half hour our first time or an hour. Is because we want to feel like we're making big progress towards this goal already, um, and and yeah, you're not you're not really making any physical progress when you go out and run for 30 seconds. Or I mean, you might be, but it's but it's very very small. Um, but what you're trying to do is something that's much more important in the beginning, and that is getting your brain into the habit of running, getting yourself used to the idea that like as soon as I get home from work or as soon as I wake up or whatever your initial trigger is for your for your exercise, which is another another important thing. Is you really should try to always have some trigger that something that happens every day uh, that that after that you go do your run so that your brain learns after this happens you know the next thing I do is just go run like there's no questioning just like when you wake up in the morning many people brush their teeth is the very first thing and it's not a decision you just you just do it um, so that that's what you're training in the beginning and and you don't your willpower is going to run out people have shown many times that that willpower is a finite thing. It's depletable. If if you're trying to do something tough and it's and your your running is really a struggle, then after you know after who knows how many ten or fifteen runs or maybe even less than that, your willpower will run out. So if if by the time it runs out, you haven't established it as a habit, a strong habit in your head, then uh then that's that's what will cause you to fail. So the point of of getting a two minute run in or whatever this short initial time is, is just to get that X on the calendar so you feel this you have the trigger then you do your activity. Then you get your little reward, and and in our case, we're saying the reward is an X on the calendar. Um, I read a book called the, what was it called? By Charles Duhigg called, I can't remember the name of it all of a sudden, but we'll we'll put it we'll put the name in the in the below the post here, and I'll probably remember it anyway. But anyway, he this is where I got this idea, and he he mentioned even the idea of, he said you can reward yourself with a piece of chocolate after your runs if that's like a big motivating thing to you, and he said even if in these initial week or two weeks or first month, you are taking in more calories with that chocolate than you're burning by running. He, he thinks that's such a powerful thing, that, that little cycle of trigger, then the habit, then the reward is so powerful that even if you did that for several weeks or whatever, um, a month, you you would be strengthening that habit so strong in your head so that then once you remove that chocolate, it's become such a good habit that you know that was totally worth it because it got you to continue doing it and now now you don't need that chocolate anymore right yeah and i and i think you know i've seen that um with this run streak you know i i you know i've, I've been running for the most of the last you know four years but never more than a, every other day or you know a couple of days here and then i take a day off or you know anything like that and it never consecutively like this um and and it was hard at first to to motivate myself every single day to get up but as time went on and the habit began to form and, you know, I was running most of my runs in the morning, which was new and kind of getting, 
getting out of bed, going for a run, and then having some coffee and kind of relaxing for a little bit was my reward. And, uh, you know, it's great. It's, it's, it really has helped and it's no longer feels like this chore of, of getting out every day, um, to do it because it, because it's formed into a habit. Right. Exactly. And that's, that's the, the goal you're trying to reach, at least as far as forming a habit goes, is that it becomes a thing where it's, it's not, doesn't take any willpower at all because it's just so ingrained in your brain as like, you know, as soon as this happens, then you go run. Um, the guy's name is Charles Duhigg, by the way, and his book is The Power of Habit. I just Googled it real quick. So, sorry about that. So, yes. I mean, that's, that's kind of the general stuff. Go ahead, Doug. What would you say? Well, I was just going to kind of transition into uh, Lisa Connor, who uh, is one of the questions from Facebook. Um, you know, she's, she said she's from Alaska. She's never been a runner before. Um, is it too late to become a runner now? And, and how do you get started? So, you know, we've talked a little bit about that, but if you're, you know, if you've never run before, um, you know, what's your, what's your kind of one thing that you should, you know, uh, one piece of advice to to help you get started? Yeah, that's that's a really good question, um, and I I definitely have one. the The best thing I can think of to a new runner would be do not try to go out and run fast. Um, and this actually comes down to like another kind of basic principle of of all habit changes, and that's that you want you want it to be as an enjoyable thing as possible at first. When you're when you're first starting, is not the time for it to you know for you to start doing all these hill repeats and interval workouts and all that stuff. Um, the the point again is to form that habit in the beginning. So make it as enjoyable as you can and make it a really good experience uh, and something that you really look forward to if that's possible. I mean, you know, for a lot of people that that probably seems crazy to make running something to look forward to. And for some people it probably never will be that. But Slow down at first. You don't. I mean, there's no reason you have to run fast. We all kind of got the idea, I think, from gym class mile runs, where where like you would get made fun of if you were the slowest one, um, and and the people who were fastest, you know, it was always a race. Like to, running can totally not be a race. It can just be an activity that you go out and do and don't even care about the speed. So go really, really slow. Like like go like a minute or two per mile slower than what you think is slow, and and just enjoy it for that. You know, for that. For the purpose of, of being out there, and, and it is fun. I mean, it feels good to move your body and to enjoy the weather. Now, I don't know about Alaska. That's kind of um, a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that much about the weather in Alaska, honestly, except that I know that most of the time it's cold, um, and often it's dark too. So, uh, Lisa, you would, I would think, have a little more to overcome as far as making it enjoyable. And I don't know if it. I mean, there's so many things you could do, but um, I'm sure you could find a way to make it. Enjoy. Make sure you stay warm. If you have to spend some money for some warm running clothes, it's worth doing if it, if it helps you to um, stay out there and, and keep running. Uh, you could run indoors if you wanted, which for most people isn't that fun. But if for you, getting on a treadmill and having some headphones on and listening to some music or something else that gets you really pumped up, I mean, by all means, do that. So there, there's no right or wrong way to like as far as those kind of mechanics. So yeah, I would, but really, running slowly is for me the biggest key. Um, what, so what do you think, Doug? I mean, what would be your get started running tip if you've never done it before? Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I would also kind of just piggyback on that and and just say have fun with it. You know, uh, see if you can find a friend who wants to do it with you, or or figure out something that kind of uh, keeps it fresh and keeps it fun for you. If it's going out and purchasing some new running clothes that kind of make you feel special or or putting on making a good playlist that you know jazzes you up you know whatever it is have fun keep it fresh 
you know, make it something that's light and not this heavy chore, you know, but something that, that you just kind of go out there and spend 10 minutes, 20 minutes, um, you know, having a good time doing. Yeah. And that's, you know, when I said slow down, I guess that kind of assumed that, that running slow is more fun than running fast just because it doesn't hurt as much. But for some people that might not be the answer. I mean, I still don't think you should, you should try to do some brutal workout the first few times. Um, but if for you it's fun to actually work in like one minute where you're sprinting or some, you know, whatever, really make it fun. Like, like you said, and I think for a lot of people that's, they've never even considered that they might just slow down and, and really enjoy it. Um, but, but yeah, if, if that sounds terribly boring to you, slowing down and trying to enjoy it, then, then maybe that's not the best tip. Maybe it's something else. And the other thing you said, like get a good playlist. It's, I think it's so worth it to take 10 or 15 bucks and get a bunch of, iTunes songs that you just haven't bought or that you really like and you hear them on the radio, maybe the ones like that you're embarrassed to actually like. I mean, it's totally worth spending ten or fifteen bucks. Or like on a book, if that's if a book at at Barnes and Noble is going to inspire you to keep running for several months in a row, it's worth it's worth hundreds of dollars to me at least to to do that. So um, by all means, spend spend a little bit of money if it if it gets you to to keep doing it. I mean, it's it's totally worth it. Yeah, completely agree. All right, so let's. I mean, that's that's kind of the best stuff for beginners. There, there's much, much more you can go into. It depends on what your goal is. I, I imagine 5K is a pretty popular beginner goal, just because it it seems somewhat insurmountable when you're brand new. Um, but there, I mean, there are all kinds of good 5K programs. Couch to 5K is really popular. You can Google that one, or we'll put a link to it. Uh, I think Runner's World had one about. Yeah, my sister did a Runner's World program. Of uh, the point was to get yourself to run for half an hour. In a row, half hour without stopping, and it was it worked up there gradually by incorporating lots and lots of walk breaks. Um, but that's how my sister ran her first 5K. So they're out there. We'll put some links to them. But yeah, and I think having a plan once you've gotten the initial stuff done, like once you've gotten to the point where you don't have trouble getting out the door, um, or even if it's still a little bit hard, but you're doing it at least. Once you've done that much, then I would say it's time to um, really ha- have start to. to Get some sort of plan or a coach or someone who can tell you really what you should be doing, at what rate you should be increasing your mileage, um, maybe some alternative workouts you can do versus just the same pace run the entire time. But I would say at first, if that stuff is more of a hindrance to you, then, then don't do it. I mean, wait till you're, wait till you're started and you're really into the habit and then, then get that kind of stuff. So kind of to recap a little bit. So if you're, you're brand new to running and you want to get started, you know, our advice is kind of to start small. Pick a goal, form a habit, and have a good time. Is that right? Am I leaving anything out? No, that's it. Um, it's not always going to be a good time. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's running and it's it's new right. and it's exercise. But do the best you can to make it a good time. And if you have that goal, like the really strong thing that's motivating you, then you can actually turn those sort of tougher times when it is hard into a good time. Because once you're done that, ten minutes later you feel great. You look back, you feel good for the rest of the day. You look how much closer you are to your goal, or you can see the progress you're making, and uh, that becomes fun. And it really, do- and then you eventually can start to actually enjoy the painful parts of exercise. Not not necessarily like bad pain, but but the actual the struggling, the the working really hard and being somewhat uncomfortable. You can come to enjoy that, uh, which is which is a great feeling when you do. Totally, and I think yeah, you just touched on something that's really important for for people who maybe are just getting into it. The the run itself might not be fun, but uh, the feeling afterwards, uh, the energy, the added energy you get, the better sleep, the 
you know, your just the better feeling of life that you have, you know, can be really, really rewarding. And so the run itself might not be fun, but the but the feeling afterwards is certainly fun. Definitely. Like I don't I don't look forward to going out for a two hour long run. Um there's I mean a lot of times I look forward to a half hour easy run because it's a nice way to take a break from the rest of the day and just enjoy the outside. But I mean I don't look forward to running two hours. So when people come up and say like, well I could never be a runner because I just hate running. I don't like it. Uh, I mean, I don't like it that much either. But, but I've done it enough, and I kind of got past that initial spot where, now I really do like. I like being a runner, and I like what it has done for me and what it does for me. The actual hour itself, or two hours, I mean, I still try to pass that time with with some music or or listening to something else, um, doing kind of a meditation type thing. I mean, you know, it, the actual run itself may not ever be pure fun for you, but but it's all the stuff that goes with it that that is fun. Exactly. Okay, so let's let's move on. We're we're kind of taking a long time, but that was sort of the introductory stuff. So we'll try to go through these next questions sort of quickly because I, I do want to try to hit most of the questions that were at least on topic in this session. Josiah Freeman says, "What are your thoughts on the Vibram toe shoes or Vibram toe shoes? I don't know how you pronounce it. I think people say Vibram, and that's the real way to do it. But uh, I always read Vibram when I read it. So yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um." And he says, not an active runner now, but want to get into it. So all that other stuff we said um, definitely applies. And then the next person, who is Anupama Ganesh, I hope I'm saying that right, I don't know, um, wonders a very similar thing. How do you gradually transition to barefoot or nearly barefoot running and resisting the huge temptation to jump the gun too quickly? So those are kind of the same question. Um, I, Doug, I think when I was in D.C., I saw that you owned a pair of five fingers, correct? Yes. Yeah, and so do I. We've both done it, but we both do not do that as our everyday running. Um, and, and that's kind of, I don't know, what I think it's good for. I don't really like doing it for every day. To me, it's, um, I'm just more comfortable in shoes, and I, I don't feel like I really change my form that much when I wear five fingers, which is kind of a good sign to me that, that I'm doing okay form without. Um but I, I, knew, I do know how exciting it can be to think about running barefoot because I was definitely in that place one time where it was like all I wanted to do and did not even want to think about putting normal shoes on. By the way, when we say run barefoot, I don't mean any disrespect to the actual barefooters because that you know I, that's amazing that people actually do that. Um, but I tend to just say run barefoot for running in five figures. So um, I apologize if that offends somebody who really is a barefoot runner. Um, Anyway, you know, I don't know. I think if you're trying to get into running, um, it's it's a tough call because one of the reasons that they cause so many injuries, which and I don't know that I don't know if so many is the right word, but they do cause some injuries. And I had a little bit of an injury develop from wearing mine. Um, is that because is that we're not used to to walking and running around that way? So we haven't really developed the the correct muscles. Um, perhaps even our bones are dense or more dense, dense or less dense in different places because of the different, the weight and the distribution of things that, that is different from barefoot versus having shoes on, um, and especially our form is is very different because cushioned shoes allow you to run in a way that it would often be painful if you were running uh, without that cushioning. So the, the reason people get injured is because they jump right into it. They don't give their body adequate time to adjust uh, and learn to run in this different way, and the result is an injury. So, so that's I mean, that's the biggest piece of advice and caution I'd give is is gradually work your way into it, like very, very, very slowly. I don't know, maybe start with 10% of your 
whatever your mileage is at first, um, and then gradually increase it over like I don't know. I, I would probably take six months to fully transition to to toe shoes, maybe even more than that. Um, ideally, if I could if I could resist the urge to to jump in too quickly. Doug, yeah. I mean, what do you think? I mean, would you agree with that much? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think uh, one of my one of my good running buddies um, runs in five rooms full time, and and I know that he he transitioned by he would go for his run and then after the run he would put on his vibrams and like run to the end of the block and back and then maybe you know run a few blocks and back um and would kind of gradually transition until he was doing you know maybe a mile in the vibrams but you know that was over a few months that he would build up to to that mile or uh you know and then he just kind of transit you know did his shorter runs with the vibrams and then and now he's doing you know half marathons in them and um, doing a great job, you know, with that. And, and he loves it and he, he likes the way it feels and loves the energy that he, he gets from, from, you know, running barefoot and, or nearly barefoot. And, um, and that's great. That, you know, that's kind of a motivator for him, um, I think. And, and, and it's kind of helped with some back injuries. And, you know, that's great. Just kind of balancing it out, transitioning in slowly. Um, yeah. So what I'm wondering though is, is for someone who's not a runner, um, but who, that has inspired them to start running. The idea of running mm. barefoot or nearly barefoot, which might be what Josiah is asking. Um, and I don't have really great advice for that. I don't really know what the answer is because what I'm wondering is if you haven't ever been a runner, um, then then the starting in those toe shoes, may, maybe you haven't developed the, maybe you haven't gotten used to running in um, cushion shoes, so it's not going to be that hard to transition into vibes. Or maybe it's the opposite and that you're trying to not only start running but also start running in toe shoes when you've been walking around in cushion shoes your whole life is that kind of a double whammy now and even right. more risk i don't know the answer to that uh, i'm sure there are all kinds of discussions on barefoot forums or whatever and also you can probably also find some sort of transition plan uh in terms of like percent of your weekly mileage for for going from traditional running into into barefoot or nearly barefoot running um but yeah i'm definitely not the person to kind of give that plan cuz i don't i don't really know what what the answer is there. All right, so that's um, the barefoot stuff. Let's move on here. We have Daphne Jerkins, um, and she said she took off running all summer, also stopped yoga, now training for a half marathon on December 1st, running Meatless, which she started on Labor Day. Good job. Congratulations, Daphne. Uh, And is having a difficult time breathing. So she's wondering how can we help her out with that breathing. So it's it's a could be a couple of things. One, breathing is the thing that when you're new to running or when you're starting back to running, that that goes or that that's what kind of you have to rebuild first. And once you get over the breathing hump, then then your legs sort of become more of a limiting factor. And sometimes, uh, at least that's been my experience. And that it's I can always tell if I've had a few weeks off by if my first run I'm kind of huffing and puffing a little bit. Not necessarily that my quads are killing me or anything like that. It's always it's always the breath that, that seems to go first. Um, so that's you know one thing. It could just be a matter of you need to um, accept that you didn't run all summer and and transition in slowly. Give yourself some extra time. Don't try to do any crazy hard workouts at first, and uh, just just give yourself time and and you know, eventually that breathing will get better. Um, besides that, I mean, I did write a post about. Breathing and breathing through your nose rather than through your mouth, which um, is really an interesting thing. And 
it itself takes a little while to adjust to. Like when you first start trying to do nose breathing, um, you feel like you're out of breath a lot and you wish you could just breathe through your mouth. So, you know, that might make things even tougher. I don't know. Or it might be a good time for you to just fool around with it and see how it goes. And maybe maybe since you're having trouble anyway, you know, why, why not try that new thing? So, yeah, I don't know. That, Doug, what what do you think about breathing? By, by the way, we should say, like, if, you're, if it's really trouble breathing, it's probably worth, and if it's, like, out of the ordinary trouble breathing, it's probably worth stopping running and talking to someone about it and trying to figure out what's going on, like seeing a doctor. Um, unless you Unless this is just kind of normal getting back into running, you know, mild breathlessness. Right. Yeah, you know, uh, kind of a similar response. You know, I, I think that she mentions uh, she's running meatless now, and, and I can't quite tell from the question if, if she's wondering if that's partly why she's having trouble breathing, but you know, they're probably not related. Um, so if she's worried about that, then that's probably um, yeah, oh. not not a problem. But, you know, if you when you take time off, exactly like you said, when you take time off, you can't just jump right back into it. You know, she's training for a half marathon now, which is awesome. It's great. Um, you know, but just make sure that you, you're building back up that base and, and that uh, cardiovascular kind of endurance that you get um, from from running. Uh, so don't go out too fast. Slow it down. Maybe run a little bit shorter distances and, you know, build that breathing back up. And, you know, if yoga has helped you with breathing, and, and I know that breathing is a big part of yoga, then, you know, maybe work that back into your training and use that as a cross-training technique for your half marathon training and, uh, you know, kind of get back into it that way. Yeah, and yeah, she mentioned that she never thought yoga had helped her, uh, and I guess she means with breathing, but now she's rethinking that. Yeah, I would say that's very possible, that, that stopping yoga, um, something that's where you're so focused on your breath the entire time, um, that, that could definitely affect your breathing when you're running. So, yeah, get back into that. Do it. Um, okay, so... Now we have two questions that relate to having kids. And the first one is not really that much about kids. She talks about kids. But um, it's Rebecca Hefner-Tones who says, I'm a mother of five, just getting started. My kiddos range from age 10 to five months old. And you've been quite busy being a plump pregnant mama for the past decade, now ready to reclaim my body, and running will be a big part of the process. Um, Okay, so she says she's 30 pounds overweight and suffered a stress fracture in her first month. Any tips on getting started and avoiding injury? Um, yeah, so the stress fracture is not all that surprising, um, given that, that I'm guessing that maybe you were fit before and you were a runner before and kind of just, well, you know, either that or, or a brand new runner, either one, either case, um, it's very likely that if you just jump into it and all of a sudden have, you know, think you're going to start running half hour at a time or whatever when you haven't done it, um, it's very easy to overdo it and get yourself a stress fracture. But I actually had a stress fracture when I first started trying to train for a marathon um, because I jumped right into it too much. Started doing like three mile runs as my standard run. I really was pretty new to it, uh, and within like two months I had a stress fracture in my shin, and took many years really until that was totally totally gone and I stopped having that issue so honestly my tip would be the same as the doctor told me then which was to do some stuff that that was not um, so high impact as running now I mean I realized if, if what you want to do is run then then hearing that isn't really uh, interesting to you you don't really want to do anything else and if you're not going to be motivated any other way then you know I don't know I don't know what to tell you then 
But I would say start out with with lower impact stuff, like like try the elliptical machine, and get yourself a chance to lose some of that extra weight, um, which which certainly makes it more likely that you have a stress fracture. Um, lose some of that first and get some of that fitness back first, and then try to transition into running, or maybe just run a couple days a week, once or twice, while you're doing mostly other stuff at first, uh, and gradually increase the amount of running you would do there. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, using even if the elliptical or, or just kind of long walks uh, isn't as appealing to you as running, you know, using that as kind of a, in order to get to the point where I can run every day or, you know, five times a week, I need to, to lose the weight, I need to do these other things. So the motivator is, is actually going for the run, um, you know, and losing the weight so that you can do that. Um, so kind of, you know, cross training, I think, is is huge swimming or biking or the elliptical or even just walks if you you know if you can go out and walk for half an hour i think that's great exercise um yeah and another thing is i w- she she didn't really say much about whether she'd been a runner before but she said this the stress factor happened in her very first month um i i don't know for it to come on that quickly sort of sounds like they're maybe um running for the form itself is not so good and i like i said rebecca if it is i apologize i don't really know without seeing you and even if i did see you i'm not, I'm not really like some expert on running form, but uh, have it checked out by someone. Like talk to someone who um, is a runner, or just uh, or look online or whatever. But make sure that you are running in a way that's not setting yourself up for injury. Right, and and if you haven't been running, then uh, you may or may not have proper shoes. You know, new shoes that um, that are good for for that kind of thing. You know, go to a go to a running store. A lot of them will um, put you on a treadmill and watch you run and kind of point out your form and, and help you adjust and, and get you a pair of shoes that, that kind of fit your form um, and your foot pattern better. So these, yeah. are, these are all things that I did wrong when I got started and got that stress fracture. I jumped right in. I had bad shoes. They were just that I wore around other, you know, for normal stuff. And I just decided I was going to start running. So I just figured I'd run in my normal shoes and I, my form was bad. Um, I also always ran on roads instead of softer surfaces like, like grass or even a treadmill or like a soft track. That stuff is all going to lessen your risk of stress fracture versus a road. There are a lot of things. And also, I wrote a whole post about shin injury. So for what that's worth, we can include that as well here. Um, but your issue, and it may be more of an issue of just building up more slowly, um, depending on your situation. Yeah, but congratulations for getting back into it. And uh... Yes, definitely. Right, so, okay. so the next question was uh, from Josh McClellan. He said that for the past, in the last two years, he's gotten married and had a new kid. He uh, has a busy job and has kind of dropped running for, for timing issues. Um, so he's looking for advice on how to get back with a busy life and a busy schedule, as well as dealing with not performing how I used to. So, you know, that's kind of a, a something that keeps coming up here. Um, you know, it's a daunting task to get back in full strength, and um, it's hard to get motivated. So what do you have to say for Josh? Um, well, I certainly relate to you, Josh. Uh, I've been in that situation many times, especially if trying to get back into the gym, like weightlifting. It, it To realize all of a sudden you can only bench press like half of what you used to, that is tough. It's tough to face that you've lost that much strength. Um, I don't I mean, it, I always tell myself, but I can always get back there with just, just by putting in the time. It, it Unless it's like an very old age situation or something, but um, hopefully that's not why you're lost to drink. But so yeah, um, I mean, I certainly 
understand what you're going through. Again, it's it's so hard to answer this without really knowing like all the details of your situation and, and really how much time you you don't have. But uh, it comes down to, to motivation and making making running uh, a must instead of a should, um, or any kind of fitness, making it a must instead of a should. So making it the thing that not the thing that tries to get fit in to the day when everything else is done, if you feel like it, but making it one of those essential things that has to get done during the day before you get to your discretionary time when you're deciding what to do with it. Um, and it sounds like you won't have very much of that discretionary time with, with a child and um, new wife and job. And then I've, I've been through that situation recently. Uh, and it, sure, it's harder, but when I do well at training and when I do really stick with it, it's it's when I work it in my schedule and it becomes one of my things that will get done today. And I make sure that it that it does. It's I mean it's it's kind of as simple as that. Uh, and that's that comes down to the things we've talked about before, which is having some sort of goal that will that will really motivate you to make it that way. That will make you know that you can put it on your schedule for the day and be really happy about it and be excited about it. And like if you if something happened and you didn't get it in, it's not just like oh well I'll do it again tomorrow. It's like you're really bummed that you didn't get it in. And you're just kind of looking for a way to, to do it rather than looking for a reason not to do it. I don't know. I mean, besides that sort of basic time tips, Doug, what, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I, as far as the timing and stuff goes, I think that that's that's something I've really uh, kind of struggled with with this run streak is, you know, before there used to be days when I, I wouldn't run. So, um, so it was easy to kind of make, you know, plan my running around my schedule for the week. Um Taking what I found is that if you take advantage of the of the downtime that you might not necessarily think is good running time, like uh, waking up early or running, I run sometimes during lunch breaks at, at work, or um, you know, in that half hour time in between cooking dinner and getting home, and then cooking dinner, you know, that I would normally sit on the couch or or read or something like that. You know, take advantage of that that little time that that you do have um, that you might not have. In the past, you might not have considered as, as running time, um, and you know I think that's a good way to kind of deal with the running stuff. But you're right, or the timing stuff. But but you're right, just kind of making it a priority and not just uh, something that you could, you'll do tomorrow. One more thing I'd mention about the time, Josh, is that one exercise I did was kind of go through three days and record every single thing you do in the day, like every down to the minute. Like if you if you take five minutes to go. I don't know, whatever you do at work, um, go get a sandwich downstairs or, or in your house. You know, if you take five minutes to go cut the lawn, I guess that takes a lot longer than five minutes. But you write down everything <laughs> and and then look at it at the end of those three days. Look at your schedule and you can start to find all the time that slips away. And I, I used to be addicted to Minesweeper, that stupid Windows game. And I did this and I realized that I was spending like an hour a day on it in small little parts. And I just started thinking, what could I do? What new activity am I going to start doing with this hour a day that I'm not going to be spending doing Minesweeper? And that's that was tremendously inspiring to realize I had an hour a day. I mean, with an hour a day, what you what you can accomplish in a year at some new hobby or I mean, you could become really good at something or really um, well-read in some subject with that kind of time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say track your time. That, that's a really good thing to do. and then And then find where your running time can come from. Matt, Matt, you have a, a young child. Uh, do you ever run with a stroller? 
Yes, I do. Um, I I didn't like it at first, and my wife was the one who always used the stroller, and I just said I didn't want to do it because I didn't feel like it was good for my running form. It wasn't, and like the run wasn't as good as it just wasn't good training. I thought because it just I don't know. I thought that it would throw my form up my form off enough that that the value would be lost. Um, but this is kind of the example I've just said of realizing you're in a different phase uh, of your life, and that's kind of what I did. I just said, well, you know what? Yes, it's probably not quite as good, even if it is like some resistance and it can be used as a strength workout in that way. Um, it's you know, it, but it's fine. I'm a parent now, and and it's nice to go out for a run, and it's nice to give my wife a break to take my son, and she can ha- she can be home by herself. And my son really likes doing it too. He loves going in the stroller and like looking at stuff and talking about stuff. Uh, so I've actually gotten to enjoy it. I've gotten to enjoy it even for like hill workouts because it makes it feel like a really good workout. So. Yeah, and I, I got used to it by by just basically saying, well, yes, it's not the same as it was before. It's not quite as fun, maybe, but uh, it's, I'm different now. So. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I don't have any kids, but um, you know, I would imagine that it could be a, a good opportunity to, you know, the time you might be spending with your with your kid anyway to kind of get out and get both of you outside and. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and it makes him together. he likes it makes him think running is cool, which I think is neat. It makes him think fitness and being outside is cool. Yeah. And he always wants to like he always wants to take one of my marathon medals and put it on him <laughs> in the stroller. You know, which is cool. It's just neat that he thinks about that and even understands what a medal is for and why you get it for you know for working hard and finishing something. So I don't know, yeah. a lot of good lessons there. I think. Nice, that's great. Okay, so um, be sort of quick so we can get all these in um julie wants to know what's the best way to increase mileage when you have taken a few months off do you have to follow the 10 percent rule which never made sense to julie anyway uh, i'm glad you asked this one julie because a lot of people are in this boat and i've been in this boat no the 10 percent rule is not um not nearly the good rule that everyone seems to think it is it's not gospel by any means uh and many runners have started to question it now uh, the the best thing I could say about ten percent rule is that I think it applies kind of after you hit what's known as your baseline. So there's some amount of mileage that you used to run, and while that's not necessarily your baseline because you used to run it, there's some amount of mileage that you just because you've been a runner before can can comfortably run with almost no stress on your body, with almost zero chance of injury. It's hard to say you know what that baseline is or, or give you a hard and fast rule to find it but it's just the amount of mileage that you're extremely comfortable running and it's no problem but once you're up to that point then then think about 10 percent rule but until then you can you can get right up to that level really quickly i don't know it, it, it could take just like maybe let's say let's say you determine that your baseline is to run 30 miles a week because you have done lots of training at 50 miles a week and been fine with it and only really started to get hurt when you went up to 60 or 70. You know, if that's the case, then I would say 30 is a very, very conservative, safe baseline for you, even if you haven't run in a little while. So you should be able to jump up to 30 miles within just a few weeks of, of running. Uh, shouldn't take you long to get up to 30. But once you're there, then then start thinking about 10%. Uh, even then, a lot of things are wrong with that 10% rule. But but for now, I would say that's kind of enough. Think about that. what your baseline is. Yeah, I, I agree. I actually really like this question because I think, you know, for new runners, when you when you only are running, a, a, you know, a mile or you know, five miles a week, um, you know, 10%, it would take you, you know, just forever to get up to to uh, 
you know, putting in 15, 20, 30 miles a week. Um, and I don't think you need to go that slow. I think finding that baseline is good. I think the 10% rule is, uh, is good for long runs sometimes, you know, kind of, so you don't increase your, if you're going out for a weekly long, long run, you know, so you don't increase that too quickly. Um, or as your mileage does get on your, the higher end of what you're, what you're able to do, um, you know, just so you don't go from 30 to 60, um, you know, I think that would be a mistake. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you, you had to say there. Yeah, and I, I was thinking about this one time, and I, I realized that I think the 10% really only applies, I, I don't know, kind of when you're a little bit past that baseline level, and you're kind of right in the middle of where you're comfortable running. Um, at that point, 10% is probably a good guideline. But, like I said, if you're, if you're running way less than that, then it's, it's usually safe to increase by more than 10%. Until you get up to that point where you're pretty comfortable, but then once you get beyond that, like like if you were running, let's say you got up to 80 miles a week, and that was like a new high for you. If you increase 10%, next week you're running 88 miles per week, and the week after that you're running 97. I mean, it's like you'd, your mileage would go through the roof very very quickly as those numbers get higher and higher. So it it doesn't make any sense at all at the very top end of what's comfortable for you either. Right. Um, so. I don't know. It's it's just it's kind of a okay rule of thumb for a lot of runners, but but it's very very many many exceptions to it. Yeah. No, I think you're you're right about that. So that's okay. kind of uh, most of the questions that were relevant to the getting started and kind of restarting your running. Um, was there anything else you wanted to, to add? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, we I don't know. We we decided about getting started. At least I did. Um, because it's winter now and people tend to take winters off and I, I kind of, I mean, it's not winter now, but it's winter's coming up and I sort of did it in the hopes, I guess, of inspiring a few people to start pick up running now, get in a good habit so that you can maintain it and then come next spring, whatever, when you start thinking about getting in shape again, you'll already kind of be in shape or, or at least, but yeah, I mean, if you ran all winter, you'd be in great shape if you've never done that or if you've not been doing anything. The warning, though, is that we I talked about, you know, when you're starting a new habit, make things as comfortable as possible. Um, and, Doug, we were talking about this, just how hard it is to get out the door when it's really cold out and it's winter, especially to do it habitually every day. And, like, if you're getting up early and it's kind of dark outside, I mean, it's really tough to, to keep it up. So I guess I would say understand that. Like, give yourself a little bit of a break in the winter. Like, understand that it's okay if you don't if you want to scale back on your running just a little bit. And it's probably a natural thing to kind of do is as it gets colder and the season changes that, that you, you move a little bit less and retain some of that fat and heat. Uh, Hibernate a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, At the same time, think about alternatives. If you really hate running in the cold, but you want to keep doing it, then just think about other things you can do or other places you can run. Like we mentioned indoors or like indoor pool running, which is kind of cool, or just swimming, all kinds of things you can do. Um, so don't don't let winter be an excuse for not running at all. But but give yourself give yourself some slack, I think. Yeah, you know, especially around the holidays and pushing hard through the holidays when you're eating a lot of food and maybe having more wine than you're used to. Is, it can be it can be a little hard, but um, you know. They also there's tons of holiday races uh, that are great motivators that you know turkey trots and Christmas runs and New Year's runs and um, you know if you do if you are kind of restarting or, or maintaining throughout the winter 
motivating yourself through through races like that um, can be a lot of fun. Yeah, and one more, you mentioned the holidays and the parties and stuff, and the food and wine. It's one of the best things about running, and I've experienced this a few times when I'm like really into it, is when that when being so into running or so into physical kind of exercise, when that carries over and actually impacts the way you eat. Like I know for a lot of people it's kind of like, well, if I was running that much, then I could eat anything I wanted. And and certainly I do that sometimes. I feel that way, and, and it's probably not so good. But um, when when your running is going so well and you're so excited about it and your your goal is so inspiring to you that you don't even want – like in that holiday party, you decide to have a couple less drinks or not have dessert or whatever – um, and I'm not saying like you know restrict everything so that it that it's very bland and terrible life, but like when when that when running is going so well that it helps you make better decisions about eating and everything else, that's that's when it's great. So um, if you can get to that point, like by building this habit now in the fall, and then holidays come and, and maybe they don't hit you quite so hard as they usually do. So that that would be, I guess the the aim here. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so we'll leave on that inspiring note. Um, so yeah, that's about it. We'll do another one of these next month. I'm trying to do one a month still, and it seems to be working out in that we've done two of them. <laughs> but yeah, they're fun, and I hope you guys are enjoying them. Also, head over to iTunes and and give the podcast a review over there. Um, the more stars, the better, obviously, and give us you know write nice things about us. That's all great because it helps spread the message about. Um, not just no meat athlete and what we're doing, but but the whole thing. If you a lot of vegetarians, vegans want to spread those ideas, so um, doing that on Facebook or doing that on iTunes, creating the show, reviewing it positively helps do that too. All right. Yeah, and and thanks to everybody who uh, wrote in on Facebook with questions, and there were several we didn't get to uh, that didn't quite fit the the getting started uh, theme, uh, but that doesn't mean we're not going to answer them and we're, we're keeping all the questions and uh, kind of shaping next, you know, uh, future podcasts based on, on the questions we're getting. So um, yep. keep those up and, and thanks for everybody for listening and engaging and yep, and, uh, this is fun. All right. Thanks a lot, everyone. And thank you, Doug. See you guys all next time. All right. Take care, man. Bye. Bye.